0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Get a word from our sponsor here. If you're new or visiting, we're working our way through the book of Corinthians. be wrapping it up here pretty shortly. And this morning, I'm going to give you a different perspective on the resurrection of the dead. I'll explain it more when we get there. But I've had the privilege of being with people when they've taken their last breath on this side of heaven. And I know immediately at 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light, that they're taking their first breath in heaven. And if you ever get a chance to be with someone... Make sure that you take that opportunity. doesn't happen very often, but it's an incredible opportunity to see a believer take their last breath and know at that very second, very second, they're now in the presence of God. They're in the presence of God. So we're going to look at that this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're allowing us to do in your midst. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Ukraine. We pray for our brothers in Christ in Poland, in Russia, in those surrounding, those neighboring nations, Lord, that you would use them mightily during this situation. Wars and rumors of wars, devastation. Father, we don't need to take sides, for we know that the enemy, the God, little g of this world, has come to seek, to kill, and destroy, steal, kill, and destroy your creation. So we stand in the gap, Lord, for those unsaved people, that you had used the saved, your ambassadors for Christ, Father. You'd use them this very moment to reach someone for Jesus, to plant, to water, to fertilize. Lord, most importantly, that someone would receive Jesus right now your glory, Father. Lord, we thank you for the freedoms we have to still open our Bible in this land, to meet like we're meeting. We have already seen the last two years things can change and change very rapidly. So we just thank you for this time. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, that you'll be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, what are we going to be studying this morning is a question that everyone sooner or later desires to know. What is going to happen to me after death? Everyone, sooner or later, asks that question. Will I get a new body? Will I go into nothingness? Will I have to come back over and over and over again until I get it right? You see, for the Bible-believing Christian, we can thank God that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write down what he wrote down this morning for us, for you and I. You see, the answer is, to all of those questions is on our lap this morning in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 we'll pick it up in verse 29 otherwise what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all why then are they baptized for the dead and why do we stand in jeopardy every hour I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord I die daily if, in the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Right off the bat, you want to be aware of the Bible is not laid out for us today like it was originally. It was just one letter. There were no chapters, there were no breaks, there were no verses. It was one letter. And as we now have our Bibles, we have different headings on certain sections like my in my bible here there's six verses the risen christ our hope and then there's like eight verses the last enemy destroyed and then there's these verses here six verses effects of denying the resurrection and so unfortunately when we see that our brain can sometimes compartmentalize things and think oh we're going into a new subject oh there's transition here when you read the gospels that could very well take place Um, There can be months in between verses unless you do a chronological study and you won't even realize that. But I want to emphasize that because Paul here this morning, as we're going to see, answers these questions right in the verses that we've already studied. So it's very important for you as a Bible-believing Christian to study verses before. You know, you come across something like this. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? The Mormons have totally butchered this and taken it out of context. And so you want to read verses prior to and afterwards and kind of forget your little subtitles or titles in your Bible, realizing this is one letter. And God will never leave us confused. We might not know all the answers, and I can definitely tell you we will never know all the answers. God wrote this through the Holy Spirit, through men. We'll never know it all, so don't even think you will. But if you seek, as was already shared, if you ask for wisdom, it's promised that you will get it. So, as we've seen in Hebrews nine twenty seven, it says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, it's very important, again, that we read from Genesis to Revelation to answer these questions. So when a Mormon comes, knocks on your door... And really go to Jesus. Don't talk about baptism of the dead, but this, this, just so you know, this is one of the things that they do at their temple. You have to be a, a certain um, religious status to do it, but they do it. So the first question that comes into my mind in reading this verse, what would be your question? What would be your thought if, as you're reading your Bible, you should ask yourself questions? Well, the first question that comes into my mind, who are these dead? Being baptized for the dead, first question is, who are the dead? See, since every human being gets only one chance at this life, which we're looking at right here, whatever happens on this side of death will determine where they spend eternity. Paul knew this to be true, so I personally don't believe that Paul is talking about humans that have died. Matter of fact, he knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. We don't pray to the dead. We don't pray for the dead. He knew that. So to me, that eliminates that. But what about those who are alive, those who are alive? Could they be considered dead even though they're alive? Well, let's look at some verses here very quickly. I got a lot of material, so write them down. We'll, we'll turn to our Bibles, but in case you're visiting, we do use our Bibles. But when I have so much information, we've got to go fast. So Ephesians 2.1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You were born, the scriptures teach us. You were conceived in iniquity. Work with our two and three-year-olds; you'll figure it out real quick. Ephesians two five: even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Colossians two thirteen says: and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, are you getting the idea here? Even though we were alive, even though I was alive as a Roman Catholic, punching the clock every single Sunday. I knew there was a God. I knew about Jesus. I knew about the Holy Spirit intellectually. But I could care less. I was living like the devil. I knew I was going to hell. Couldn't make God happy. I'm hells eat, drink, and be merry because I might die tomorrow. Once I received Christ, that all changed. He has made us alive together with him. Notice, he, not me. God, through regeneration, having forgiven you all trespasses. How about Romans 7, 5? For when we were in the flesh, when we were in the flesh, just walking around, that's the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, thou shalt not covet. That got Paul. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not curse God. How many people know that? You as a, as a believer, if you ever use God's name in vain in the workplace, if you say, God damn it, I can guarantee you Every unbeliever would look at you and go, Are you supposed to do that? I don't, isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? They haven't cracked the Bible. But they know what you just did is not scriptural. No, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So we now know not to do that. The Holy Spirit teaches us that via the word, but through a personal relationship. How about John 3:3? Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, Nicodemus, most assuredly. Nicodemus was the teacher in Israel. He was the most respected rabbi, along with Gamaliel. Most of tree, like I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again? I'm alive. What are you talking about? Go back into my mother's womb? No, Nicodemus, you're dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. And then lastly, John 3, 35 through 36, John the Baptist says, The father loves the son... And has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son does not have life. John, I'm sorry, not John the Baptist, John. He who does not believe the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Remember last week I mentioned that every human being is not a child of God. You have to receive Jesus as your savior to become a child of God. We're a child of the devil. The wrath of God abides on us until we receive Jesus as our savior. So with just these few verses, and there's many more, I believe the scriptures show us that we are all spiritually dead at one point. Even those who are religious are spiritually dead due to the fact that they have not become born again. And so Paul goes back to the logical discussion here similar to what we talked about last week. And if we keep the flow of the text, I believe that Paul is questioning those within the church That have gotten water baptized. But they don't even believe in the resurrection. Keep that thought in your mind. You see, being baptized was a huge commitment in their culture. You were denying the ways of the culture, denying possibly family and friends. And it could cost you dearly. You could lose everything for the sake of your newfound Christian faith. And that's why Paul goes on to say, And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do we stand in jeopardy? You see, when I left the Catholic Church, this is incredible. Somebody called my wife. I didn't print out page two of my notes. Jim, you got page two of my notes up there? I got a two week memory, guys. If you're new or visiting, I wasted my brain in the 70s doing marijuana. So without my notes, this is going to be a really quick service. <laughs> which you might be happy about. But anyways, so in verse 30, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? So looking for page two, Jimmy. You got it. Way to go, brother. Praise God. This is why we need everybody in the body of Christ. You see, when I left the Catholic Church, this is just Roman Catholic doctrine. We don't bash churches around here. We speak the truth in love. When I left the Roman Catholic Church, I left the faith. I'm going to hell. Now, I've been a believer for seven years. I've been doing Bible studies, been carrying my Bible to Mass, been doing all kinds of things for Jesus Christ. But when I left the church, I left the faith and I'm going to hell. Mormonism if you leave Mormonism, you've left the faith, there's no hope for you. Judaism, you leave Judaism. We have a gal that's a messianic. When she left, her family, Orthodox Jewish family, her family literally buried her. Not literally, physically, but in their minds, buried her. Thanks, brother. You the man. Well, I shouldn't say that. David was the man. But anyways. Perfect. There it is. So... Why do we stand in jeopardy every hour as believers if we don't believe in the resurrection? You see, Paul's life and his companions as well suffered persecution and were in jeopardy. 2 Corinthians 11 says this, 26 through 27. In journeys, often in perils of water, perils here, the word perils is dangers, dangers. In perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. You think you got it bad as a Christian? This is Paul's life here. In perils among false brethren, even those within the church. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. So guys, as we go down this road, our country is in transition, if you haven't figured it out yet. Our president just signed an executive order this past week to investigate cryptocurrency. And he's given those agencies that he's giving tasks to to report back to him by the end of the year how we can move into cryptocurrency. That's a one-world economy. That's a one-world monetary system. And you think, oh, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. Well, just know this. America, our population is only 4%. Of the world's population we're in the top five but we only have four percent of the world's population china and india make up 35 percent of the world's population <laughs> we are so far behind china and india india biometrics facial recognition fingerprint eye scan every single indian and they're going to surpass china in population by 2025. We are so close, guys. Don't keep saying it'll never happen. It's happening. Wake up. Wake up. In fastings often in cold and nakedness. First Thessalonians 2:14 and 15, "For you brethren became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things." From your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Guys, as we go down this road as Christians, you better be strong in your faith, or you're going to be swept aside. You're going to sweep yourself aside because persecution is here and it's intensifying, and it's intensifying and it's going to intensify even more. So if you're a believer, you better be in the word of God on a daily basis. Verse 31, I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. You see, Paul did what the Lord had instructed his disciples to do years earlier. In Luke 9, 23, we read this. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny myself. Is that America right there? Nah, we're first in line. Let him deny himself. Ah, we got our First Amendment rights. Ah, we got our Second Amendment rights. Ah, we got the Constitution. Ah, we got this. I got that. You're a servant of the Most High God. Servant. Slave. Dulos. You lovingly serve your master. Take up his cross daily and follow me verse 32 if in the manner of men i have fought with beast at ephesus i don't believe these are literal lions it's just the unbeliever and cancel culture do you think that's a beast right now huge beast what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die You see, Paul is quoting what the Epicureans believed in that day and he's still using logic. Remember, he's using logic here. Logically, it doesn't make any sense to make a public proclamation about being born again if there is no resurrection. Why would I get baptized for the dead? Why would I use my Christian faith to go out into the public and say I'm now following Jesus Christ, I am now a Christian, all you alive Christians, but all of you dead people, I'm making a public proclamation of my faith. Why would I do that if there's no resurrection? You see how easy it flows with the rest of the chapters? That's why you want to read all the chapter. Those who are dead are just spiritually blind. Paul's saying, "Why would we do that?" That's ridiculous. That makes no sense whatsoever. But rather just live it up and enjoy everything that this life has to offer, including sinful things, because you might just die tomorrow. Verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is a quote from a Greek poet, Menander, a saying that the Corinthians were most likely familiar with evil company corrupts good habits. So, deceive. First and foremost, you as a believer, I as a believer, do not be deceived. We shared this with our children growing up. We were going to share it with our grandchildren. We'll share it with our grand, great grandchildren if the Lord tarries. Two things happen in life. The people you hang with, they will influence you or you will influence them. Those two things are going to happen. You can think right now in your mind, well, that's a true fact. So don't be deceived who you hang with. Are you going to hang with the people that don't believe in the resurrection? Or are you going to believe and hang with the people that believe in the resurrection? Keeping it in context of the flow here of the chapter. Remember, there's a problem in the church. In the church, there were those who were saying there is no resurrection. That's what Paul's addressing here. It's, it's not complicated. Evil is worthless. Notice, evil company, worthless. Well, don't judge, man. No, we, that's dumb. That's dumb to say that. Really? You don't go to a four way stop sign and judge if the person coming at their direction is going to stop or not? I do on a regular basis. This, this stop sign out here, I've been out there doing landscaping. Vroom. Let me just go. Man, thank God nobody was there. That would have been a terrible T-bone. Back in 03 when we came out here, there were no traffic lights. There was one traffic light, the Circle K, downtown Green Creek, and it wasn't even a full traffic light. It was a red and a yellow. Feel like stopping if you want to. <laughs> Every intersection was four-way. So many T-bones out here. Hmm. Company, companionship, Communion, it's used only once in the New Testament right here, the root word. Who are you, fellowship, who are you having communion with? Who are you having companionship with? Who's, that's, that's intimacy. Second Corinthians six fourteen says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is including marriage. So those of you who are single, who are trying to date an unbeliever, that's called missionary dating. Very, very dangerous. You're not gonna like the results of it. Don't do it. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? This can apply to business dealings. It can apply to so many things in our lives. And what communion has light with darkness? Paul's just making a logical exhortation to the Corinthians about if there's no resurrection, why, why are we doing baptisms? That's, why are we doing it? Verse 35, his exhortation, awake to righteousness. And do not sin. Be right with God. Rather than going down the deceptive road, stay focused on the truth. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Notice that Paul points out that there are certain individuals that don't believe the whole counsel of God. And just because a person says that they're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean, you want to throw that slide up there, Jimmy? Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean that they truly are a born-again believer. It doesn't necessarily mean that. So again, they're they're knocking on the doors. Mormons are knocking on your doors. Oh, we're Christians? Really? So you believe Jesus is God? Well, oh, oh, I get it. You believe that Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer. Then they get really uncomfortable because they didn't know you were bright enough to know that one little tidbit. That's all you need to know about Mormonism. You don't need to do a two-decade study on Mormonism. You don't need to do that with any religion. Just ask, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Just a great prophet? That's all he is to you? The Quran? Just a great prophet? No, no, no. He's not just a great prophet. He was a great prophet, but not just a great prophet. Very, very important, guys, for you and I. But if we are born again, they'll be encouraged with the whole truth of scriptures. The world does not have the truth. Notice, knowledge of God. For some do not have the knowledge of God because the truth is found within the scriptures. And I, I agree with Paul here totally. It's a shame to go to the world to seek counsel when the greatest counsel in the world is at our fingertips. And I think this is one of the greatest travesties that the church has committed, the church in general, not us because we do counseling. But in the last 20, 30 years, so many churches have forsaken counseling out of fear of getting sued, that worldly nonsense, and they're sending them to worldly counselors instead of taking them to the word of God. That's our calling as believers. You take people to the word of God. And if you need counseling, come. We'll counsel with you. But the first thing we're going to do is take you to the word of God. Because this is the truth. What I feel, what I think, eh, maybe true, maybe not. If I can back it up with scriptures, great. If not, it's worthless. It's worthless. Paul has been pointing to the Corinthians back to the word of God and it is the word that proves there is a resurrection. Verses 35 through 37. Now let's get into something new. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one. That means just unlearned. Paul is not putting them down. It just means unlearned one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Very important. I have those two verses highlighted. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. So this is very applicable for us out here in Queen Creek. You know, if they plant cotton, is cotton coming up or is corn cotton coming up? Cotton. They plant corn, corn. Alfalfa, alfalfa. Okay, so seeds, individual seeds. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. This totally wipes out evolution, by the way, these verses. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and there are heaven, uh, uh, celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. The celestial are heavenly bodies, terrestrial, are earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. The word glory there is magnificence, excellence, splendor. Psalm 104 says this, you send forth your spirit and they are created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. The glory, so there is glory. Verse uh, 41, which we see, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. Guys, this was written almost 2000 years ago. you know, in the mid 1500s really bright people astr- that they, were, they were entering into astronomy and they were saying you know what everything doesn't revolve around the earth we think it revolves around the sun <laughs> they were persecuted they were imprisoned I'm talking about even Christians because the church who had all the knowledge that was going against church teaching at the time the really bright people hmm very sad but here we see, for one star differs from another star in glory. You see, we're so limited. Until what? Until a telescope was invented? And now how many galaxies are out there? They have no idea. They just throw out these silly numbers. We have no idea. The Word of God already told us this. David, back 3,000 BC, David lived uh, 1,000 BC. So 3,000 years ago, he said David said the stars are as numerous as the sand of the sea. Pick up, a, pick up some sand sometime. Count it. We've done it. We've done little vials. It's crazy. We did it with our kids, drove them nuts. But there was a principle. There was a principle behind that. Verse 42, so he uses these physical analogies. You guys, did you guys just hear all those physical analogies, physical analogies, physical analogies? He's now going to teach a spiritual principle. So he was using logic, physical analogy. Now here comes the spiritual principle. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Because what is he dealing with here? There are some in the church that don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Let's look back at it. It's verse uh, 12. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you, verse 12, he's writing to the church, he's not writing to the world. So it tells us, even some within the church, say that there is no resurrection of the dead. So even if a Christian comes to you and they have a Bible and they're in this church and you go to them and say, you know, is it okay if we live together? You know, if it's okay if my boyfriend and I live together? You know, we really love each other and we think we're married in God's eyes. And the Christian just goes, you know what? You, yeah, you really love each other. Yeah, it's okay to do that. No, it's not. It's a lie. Get into your Bible. It's a lie. It's called fornication. It's called sin. You're never married in God's eyes. You make that commitment of marriage. You get the license. It's in the word of God. Joseph and Mary were betrothed. They were married, but they never came together physically because Joseph was off building the house, adding the room onto dad's house. That's why Joseph wanted to write her a bill of divorcement. Why would he want to write her a bill of divorcement if they weren't married? Piece of paper matters. The church recognizes the state. The state recognizes the church. Piece of paper is very, very important. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. We got anybody in here younger than 25 years old? Raise your hand if you're younger than 25 years old. Raise it up high so we can stone you. (laughs) Raise it up real high. Don't be afraid. We're not going to stone you. Look around. Look around at these people. Yeah. You know, they say, whoever they are, but they know a lot, which they really don't. But science says, about 25 years old, your your body is peaked. How many of you are over 25? (laughs) Cash in your chips, man. (laughs) As we read these verses, just cash in your chips. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. I think cancer is one of the worst examples of this. I've been with a man who was at one time 160 pounds, strong, vibrant, hardworking man. I mean hardworking man. (laughs) And I was with him on his deathbed if he weighed 65 pounds. I knew it was him. It was his face. 60, 65, maybe 70 pounds. You see, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Be with someone who's ready to die. You'll see. They used to be so strong. Look at them. They can barely breathe. It's so important. Reality. Eternity. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Verse 44, highlight verse 44. It is sown a natural body. Where did you get your natural body from? Your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, so forth and so on. It's a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. When everyone dies, believer as well as unbeliever, They're going to have their new spiritual body. They're going to get a body. They're not just some spirit floating out in space. You're going to get your brand new body. You'll see. There is a natural body. You look at it every morning. You look at it in the afternoon. Some of you guys, when you walk by a store, you look. (laughs) Still got it. (laughs) Walk past the window. (laughs) There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. People will ask me, what happens? Read your Bible. Well, it's only one verse, Pastor. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, we're going to go to chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to pick it up in... Verse 16, as you see there, the the team does a great job putting slides together. So if you're not familiar with your Bible, you need to get familiar with your Bible. Don't rely upon your phone. They're going to turn it off. And don't think they'll never do that. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Every time you look in the mirror, if you're over 25, Yep, there it is. There it is. There's that perishing face again. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years are as a day. That interested me many years ago. I said, well, 24 into a thousand, 24 hours into a thousand is 41.6 earth years. So two hours is 83 years. So by the time you drove here and by the time you get home, two hours is going to be gone. Your life is done. Because we'll often go, how long is eternity? So I believe that that the Holy Spirit gave Peter that little verse to help us grasp how long eternity is. One month is a little over four months. I mean, one minute is a little bit over four months. One second is a little bit over four days. One second is a little bit over four days. I mean, isn't that amazing? March is already gone. We're heading into April, and by the time I click eight times, April just went by, guys. Now we're into May. Oh, thank God the heat's coming. It's only going to be 110 this year for 200 days of the year. We're already in June. Are you guys getting the picture here? Paul says, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, but for a moment. What we're going to go through in these next few years, guys, is just going to be a moment. But get ready. Get ready, guys, because it's going to get crazy. It is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Who was Paul changed to? Soldiers. And they rotated the soldiers. Each, every soldier got the gospel. That's how the word of God went all the way up to the very top. Even in the courts of the king, people were getting saved. Paul used that prison ministry are you and I, are we going to use the prison ministry? Or are we going to whine and complain? You shouldn't do this to Christians, God. I can't believe you did this to me. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. And the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal. You might want to highlight this verse, chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed heaven not been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Verse 1. I'm going to read, there's that physical analogy, all the tent, the house, this, that. I'm going to change it with one word, the word body, because this is what it's talking about. If you do your study, this is what it's talking about. So let's read the verse again. Verse one, chapter five. For we know that if our earthly body, this body is destroyed. We have a body from God, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What did we just read in 15? there is a natural body there is a spiritual body two distinct bodies two clearly distinct bodies and here we see in this verse not made with hands who made my earthly body my parents i mean yeah god was in it but my parents grandparents and so forth so on well who makes this body not my parents god it says it right there don't even need to know greek to see that not made with hands Eternal in the heavens. Now I know some of you are going right now, wait a minute, wait a minute, just do your own study. This is not heresy. I'm not going against any of the stuff that's being taught for you know last two thousand years. I'm just saying do a study and and piece it together yourself and see if this might make sense. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our body, which is from heaven, not from earth. People ask me about this, you know, can we be cremated? Cremate yourself. I'm going to be cremated. Throw it away. Flush me down the toilet. It doesn't matter. It's done. Yeah, but how will it come back together? It's not going to come back together. Here are the verses. What, th- I can't go into outer space right now. If I go into outer space, step out, poof. If I go to the depths of the sea and step out, poof. Why am I going to be reunited with this thing, this worthless thing? If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. To me, that's a really key verse right there. Now think bigger as the music team comes up. Think think, kind of bigger, deeper thought. If my spirit just goes to heaven and my ashes go in an urn or my body goes in the grave, wouldn't I be naked because I'm not clothed? Not clothed like this, but wearing my spiritual body. I got to wait for 2,000 years when Jesus returns, then all my ashes, my body's going to come out of the grave, and then I'm going to have my spiritual body, which is, you know, that's the most popular teaching out there. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not going against it. I'm not saying I have a special revelation. None of that nonsense. I'm just saying search the scriptures, figure it out yourself. Either way, we're all going to die. Either way, we're going to be resurrected. For me personally, I just think I get my brand new body. Kiss this one goodbye. For we who are in this body groan, being burdened. Anybody groaning every morning? During the the day? When you get up from the chair after the service? How many of you are going to go, okay, here we go. I hope I make it to the car. Being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, so we're not thinking suicidal thoughts, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who's also given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Now we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse eight, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. At 186,000 miles per second, be with someone if you can. And these verses will impact your life. When you see that breath come out of them, their last breath, their color instantly changes. The form, subtly, it's very subtle. It's not like they become, you know, E.T. or anything. But very subtle. You just know, they're not here. They're not here. They're done. Their race is over. Praise God. They've already crossed the finish line at 186,000 miles per second. The reverse is also true. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says save some through fear. You better have a healthy fear of God. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you are going to get your new spiritual body. And if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're going to be in hell. Jesus taught about it. It's not a joke. He's trying to spare you that. If you decide, I don't want God, don't blame God in the end. That's your decision. You will perish. You'll be separated from God forevermore. John 3, 16. Jesus sent, came to this earth to save mankind, not to destroy them. Don't pin it on God. Pin it on yourself. I don't want Jesus. It's your decision. But you are going to get your spiritual body. And you will be in torment for all of eternity. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And those are hard words. But they have to be said because they're true. Our feelings reject that. Our emotions reject that. But Father, that's what Jesus taught. He spoke of hell. That's why you sent your son. That's why you sent your Holy Spirit. That's why you sent the word of God. To spare us. So, Lord, we pray as believers right now, we pray for anyone in this room that they would, after this service, that they would come forward and that they would receive Jesus as their Savior, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, but out of a realization, I'm going to live forever, either in heaven or in hell. Where do I really want to be? Open their spiritual eyes, Lord. This is not a game. Father, we thank you for your word and that we know when our loved ones who know Jesus, when they take their last breath, we don't have to be concerned about them. They're rejoicing at your throne. We're the ones that have to grieve. We're the ones that have to naturally mourn as we should. It's healthy. It's right. We need to do that. but We don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have a living hope. And we know, we know because the word says so, that we will see our loved ones again as brothers and sisters in Christ in a whole new way in your glory, Father. Lord, we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, I hope that stirred up a little bit in you something that you'll go home and say, well, I don't really agree with that. I'm gonna do some reading of the scriptures. Praise God. Be a Berean, be a Berean, study the word of God because next week I'm gonna really confuse you. (laughs) Next week is the rapture. Come back studying about the rapture. It is going to happen whether you're ready or not. It is going to happen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions,